Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Uh, we are going to talk now about communication, mm. and we are being joined. We are joined from uh, from Stanford University, Palo Alto, California, by Matt Abrams. He is a lecturer at Stanford Graduate School of Business, the author of Think Faster, Talk Smarter, the host of the award-winning Think Fast, Talk Smart podcast. It is a, really a pleasure to have you with us today, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Glenn. Good to be with both you and Neil. Well, this uh, this uh, topic of conversation is nothing new. We we have, we talk about it all the time here on the show. Obviously, we are talkers ourselves. Uh, but tell us from your perspective what is the what is the big top line in your book in your podcast of Think Fast, Talk Smart. Well, I think the top line is that we can all get better at communication, and communication is critical to our success in our business and professional lives. The book itself focuses specifically on in-the-moment communication, not the planned presentation or pitch or meeting with agenda, but it's when somebody asks you for feedback or asks you for a question or you have to introduce yourself or make small talk. Much of our communication happens in the moment, and this book targets how to help people do that because many of us, feel uncomfortable in those circumstances. That's absolutely fascinating, uh, Matt, because I would sometimes fall into that category. I, I have no issues speaking to a thousand people. I often do it at schools and colleges. And then afterwards, the small talk comes in and I'm a bit of a loss. I don't really yeah. know what to talk about. How do we overcome that? Well, so there's a whole six-step methodology I walk people through, and this is a methodology I developed here at Stanford's Graduate School of Business to help our students first. I think you all remember being back in school, and the teacher would look at you and say, what do you think, that cold call? And we found that some of our amazingly bright students who knew the answer couldn't respond well. So the deans at the business school asked me to develop some content to help, and I, I did a deep dive into lots of different fields and essentially developed a six-step methodology. It starts with managing anxiety. We have to mm. manage anxiety and then our mindset. And once we've got the anxiety managed and the mindset, we then have to think about how we actually craft messages in a structured way so that they can be focused and relevant. And if you go through this methodology, you learn to be more comfortable and confident so you can handle the small talk, the feedback, the apologizing, all of those things that happen in the moment. It's very um, it's a very complex um, scenario to to try to do any kind of communication. And on your podcast of the same name, Think Fast, Talk Smart, you have a variety of guests who take us through everything from you know being scared of audiences to uh, find power in mm -hmm. silence to many other topics uh, around this. And I would assume they cover your your six points as well that you've just mentioned. Uh, but when when we get to Helping people that, for example, executives who are trying to figure out the best way, many of our audience listeners, the best way to be impactful, the best way to really uh, make a statement to be heard, but not to over talk, not to, uh, you know, confuse people with too much. What are some of the tips that you found that are useful for that group of people? Absolutely. Executives have a lot of pressure on them to be clear and concise, but like all of us, the best advice I can give is you have to focus on the needs of your audience. We have to think about what's relevant and salient to them. The biggest mistake people make, executives included, is we focus on what we want to say, not what the audience needs to hear. Across all of my podcast episodes, which is just about communication, 
That is by far the loudest bit of advice people give. So first and foremost, we have to think about what does the audience need? And then the second part of your question is how do we be concise? I call this the F word of communication, focus. We need to think about what's relevant. That helps us focus. We need to think about what our goal is. And to me, a goal has three parts. Whenever you communicate, it's about information. That's what you're saying. It's about emotion, how you're trying to get people to feel, and then action, what you want that audience to do. And if you think about in the spontaneous moments or the planned moments of your communication, what's my goal, what's relevant, you'll be more focused and and better understood. And really, uh, for both of you, Glenn and Neil, I want to share a, a, a saying that my mother has that I try to live my life by. Tell the time, don't build the clock. Many executives <laughs> are clock builders, right? They want to they explain how they got to where they got. They want to explain how much they know. We don't want to know that. We just want to know the time. <laughs> That's and a great we saying. That, we can be better communicators. Well, yeah. Matt, I've just I stolen that one. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping that. Thank you, Mother. I have no copyright, but... Yeah, I was just going to say, now, I don't care, but my mom might. You better watch out. She can be pretty feisty. Well, if the mother of Professor Matt Abrahams, the Stanford Graduate School of Business professor, is listening, thank you. Consider it stolen. Consider it stolen. Uh, We'll give give you credit. But on that point, Matt, yeah, on that point, you're, you're speaking so much sense to me. We see this so much, particularly in Singapore, Southeast Asia, especially when it's an overseas speaker. A North American or a British guy, a European guy will give a talk to, you know, hundreds of Asians and the anecdotes don't make sense. The points he's making are not landing because he's not doing what you're talking about. He's not focusing on the audience. He's focusing on himself. So uh, to add to that, what are some of the differences that you're aware of when it comes to North American audiences, European audiences and over here in Asia? Uh, absolutely. I think there, there are many differences, and, and culture looms large in communication. And I'm not just talking about culture geographically. Mm. There's, there are cultural differences within organizations and departments. I, I, when my wife met my family and I met her family, we had different just ways of communicating, and we're from the same culture. So culture looms large. When it comes to the difference between Europeans, Americans, and, and many in Asian countries, I think two things become very clear. There's a difference in directness, how direct and forthright you are. And additionally, a a difference in immediacy, how immediately you respond. And often those flow together. Think of the stereotypical American who is very clear, direct, and responds right away, sometimes speaking before thinking. Again, these are general stereotypes. Compare that perhaps to somebody from an Asian country who might be more thoughtful, might be a little more reticent before speaking up, and maybe not be as blunt and direct. And, so, and when you have those differences, you can have clashes in expectations, differences in tone that affect how we perceive things. So we all suffer from the curse of knowledge and the curse of passion. We all ha- know a lot about what we're speaking on, and, and re- we rely on just our habits. We're all very passionate about what we speak about. And again, that drives us to rely on our habits. So the only cure to the curse of knowledge and the curse of passion is empathy. We have to remind ourselves that the people we're talking to are not always like us. Mm. We have to look, we have to observe, and we have to remind ourselves to take the other person's perspective. It is not easy, but if you do it, it can make a tremendous difference. And I think we do see that here in in Singapore and across Southeast Asia. You know, the, the biggest challenge that many 
top level executives have have uh, is that they know too much, right? They know too much about their business, yeah. their product, their service, and they haven't figured out how to filter, how to edit, self edit for a particular audience or a group of stakeholders to give them just what they need and not anything more than that, right? Uh, with a view toward being con- concise and, and clear with that and. I, I, I'm sure that's a problem in the U.S. because I've seen many U.S. executives doing interviews yeah. or, or heard them on podcasts. And I can definitely say that they give us too much. And over-talking – I was listening to one of your episodes uh, about over-talking. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me was just fascinating. Yeah. Most folks don't realize the power of silence, the power of pause, the power of taking your time. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. That was a very fun episode. Uh, many of us say more than we need to say. And some of that is, again, trying to prove that we're really smart. Some of that is, as you said, we don't like silence. It fundamentally, to me, comes down to listening and being present. The word communication, the, the etymology, the, the, where that word comes from, is to make common. And in order to make common, you have to connect and you have to listen. It, it implies a two-way interaction, not just one way. So we have to be comfortable listening. We have to be comfortable pausing. And rather than saying too much, say enough, see if somebody has a comment, ask a follow-up question. That's how it works. Many of us feel in our communication, especially when it comes to small talk, that it's like playing tennis and we want to get our information over the net. We want to ace it and we just want to look great. But that's not communication. Rather, it needs to be more like volleyball where you're trying to get the ball back and forth where both of you are trying to help each other get the ball to where it needs to be next. So that collaborative approach, understanding that it's about you and the people or person you're talking to, makes a big difference. And so I challenge anybody to record themselves practicing a communication, asking others for assistance or guidance. That's how you get better. We only get better at communication by three things, repetition, reflection, and feedback. You have to practice. Mm -hmm. You have to reflect. Otherwise, we do the same thing over and over again, and you have to get feedback. So to stop saying too much, we have to listen, we have to remember it's about collaboration, and we have to make sure we practice repetition, reflection, and feedback. Mm. That's really, really fascinating, Matt. As someone like Glenn, who does a lot of talks and seminars and conferences, I'm always fascinated in the two-way process between myself and the audience, that in real time, I'm trying to gauge if they're taking the messages on board, do I need to repeat? Do I need to emphasize? Do I need to reinforce? And I'm doing this in real time. I have my own tricks and techniques for doing it with younger audiences, but I'm fascinated to learn from you, Matt. How can a speaker do that in the moment? Has my message gone across? What are the signs I look for from my audience to see that I'm communicating what I need to say? I love this question because it implies that you are other-focused, which is exactly what I've been saying a lot of. So I love that you're doing that. The the title of my new book is Think Faster, Talk Smarter. And people often say, thinking faster is going to make it harder for me to communicate. By think faster, what I mean is pattern recognition. Anybody who has a level of expertise is good at recognizing patterns. If you play the game Go or chess or a sport, what all that years of training has done is helped you recognize patterns so you can respond better. So we have to begin to look for patterns that we see, patterns in the nonverbal behavior of our audience. Are they looking away? Are they looking down? Do they look confused? Looking for those patterns informs us, are they engaged? But it's not just about observation. We can take an active role. You have to get your audience engaged and see how they respond. 
two major ways to engage your audience. Physical, get them doing something. Have them look at something. Have them raise their hand. Take a poll. If you're virtual, you can have them do something in the chat or in a breakout room. By getting them to do something, you observe that action, and then you can read. Are they paying attention or not in that? Mm. The other way to get people involved is mentally, and you can do that through questioning. Asking questions gets people engaged in using analogies that are culturally relevant. So making sure that people learn through you, through the comparisons that you make. Those analogies are very powerful to getting people engaged, and then you can judge their reactions. But the caveat there is people have to understand the comparison. We Americans make a big mistake. We use a lot of sports analogies for sports yeah. that don't translate outside of the U.S. <laughs> exactly. So analogies are yeah. powerful, but you can't talk about American football and slam dunks and pushing it across the goal line. You All have right. to be careful. So. I love that you're looking at how to reach your audience. It's about pattern recognition and engagement. Mm. We're talking with Matt uh, Abrams, lecturer at Stanford Graduate School of Business, the author of Think Faster, Talk Smarter, and the host of the award-winning podcast, Think Fast, Talk Smart. I love the fact that the podcast, many of the episodes are between 20 and 30 minutes long. You don't go on forever and ever. You keep it short and sharp and, and give information. We try to practice what we I was going to say that. He <laughs> exactly. practices what he preaches. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what we, do we, we – We actually – this is funny, but we, we, we won an award. We won the best dog walking podcast. <laughs> and, the, and the reason for that is most people walk their dogs for 20 minutes. I didn't even know it was a category. But uh, being concise, you can win awards. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, uh, let's talk about language because we're in the in the era that we're in now. We, we talk about the gender neutral language. We talk about, um, you know, being mindful of that. There are many different ways that people think about themselves uh, in terms of their pronouns and, and everything. How, how does a speaker, whether it's a professional speaker or a business leader, how do they put together a talk, comments, a speech, whether it's internal or external, that is not going to run afoul of of current uh, language um, acceptable standards. Yeah, and it's tough because it's it's changing. Language is changing, and I'll make it even more complex. We're doing a lot of communication now with emojis or symbols, and, mm-hmm. and that gets that makes it even more complex. So I think the first step is awareness building. We have to understand that. If I am trying to be in service of my audience, my goal is to make the communication psychologically safe for them to feel comfortable having the conversation. And this has always been true. Being rude, being discourteous, being direct and blunt or or overly direct and blunt can be offensive. One way now that we have to also consider is the language and words we use. And it's really just an extension of advice we've always given. For example, be careful with acronyms you use and jargon. Now we have to be thinking about how people feel and identify with themselves. So I am a huge fan of iterating and practice and getting feedback. So if you're an executive or a manager and you're going to give a a presentation on all hands, you should check with some people on your team and say, hey, here's what I'm going to say. Here are the ideas I'm trying to get across. Get that feedback. And then also realize that if you make a mistake and something goes wrong, uh, a lot, I have a whole chapter in the new book about how to apologize. Apologize right away. You know, people understand that we've got a lot of transitioning going on in terms of power and status, the generations that are in the workforce. This is our first year at Stanford's Graduate School of Business where our students are Gen Z. So we're having to adjust and adapt. So we, we have to be prepared to make mistakes, apologize for those mistakes, but we try to avoid them by focus grouping, 
and just making sure we become aware of expectations. So true. I gave a talk mm. in Malaysia this week and I was going to make a cultural reference. And before I did, I checked with Malaysians first yeah. if it wasn't going to be <laughs> insensitive yeah. or whatever. But we've got a great comment yeah. from Jane Ayer, who actually runs a company uh, that employs tour guides to go around and communication ah. is literally their business. And Jane writes, this communication topic is so relevant to tour guiding. We work hard to make them interactive rather than a lecture. Takes more skill, but definitely worthwhile. So, I mean, final question, Matt, on that point, how do we get that across? How do we move away from lecturing to making sure our form of communication is as inclusive and interactive as possible? Thank you for that question, and I have to share with you, I was a tour guide earlier in my life. And to this day, I can still walk backwards and talk while smiling. Uh, it's a great skill. And it's a great analogy, actually, for what it is you're asking. A good tour guide makes things interactive. So you start, again, with relevance. What's important to people? And if it's important to people, they'll pay attention. Many of us feel uncomfortable going from monologue a dialogue, but it is in dialogue that we actually have that connection and engagement and get that immediate feedback. So a simple way to do this is rather than stating things, ask questions. Second, tell stories, but stories that others can see themselves in. For example, use what I call time traveling language. I can take you into the future by simply saying, picture this, or imagine what it would be like if, instead of me just telling you, by saying that in that way, you become part of it because you see it in a way that's very different than me just listing bullet points and itemizing things. So the way we get engagement is we focus on relevance, we focus on storytelling, and we focus on inviting others in. So if all of us were to think of ourselves as tour guides, we would have much better communication that would be more enjoyable and memorable. Awesome topics, awesome advice. Thank you so much. Matt Abrams, lecturer at Stanford Graduate School of Business, the author of Think Faster, Talk Smarter, and host of the Dog Walking Award-winning Think Fast, that, that <laughs> Talk is, Fast Smart that is some podcast. achievement. I mean, <laughs> I'd, is, be, right? I'd be proud of that. <laughs> I love that. That's an absolute brilliant <laughs> achievement. Well Ma- done. Max, thanks for being with us today, all the way from the West Coast of California. We appreciate it. All the best. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.